where I'm going to interview one of the super coaches in the world. Uh, so Judy May Murphy, I'm known for over 10 years, I think it is now. Um, in the start, uh, when we had an event company, I was bringing her to Norway and was speaking there. And how I get to know her, it's like a friend. I was platinum partner in Tony Robbins. And one friend of me there said, like, you need to connect with Judy May Murphy. She's an amazing speaker and she's an amazing career and she knows how to coach people. So we call her one of the super coaches in the world because she gets incredible good results uh, with her client. And I know you are always busy and traveling all over the world and doing gigs all over the world. So I'm really happy that you can do this podcast with me, Judy May. Uh, so yeah. I'm so delighted. I miss you. I miss you so much. I know we saw each other recently in London, but I missed when we used to just be on the road together. You and me, Maria, we'd be in different parts of Norway. We'd be all over Europe. We'd, you know, anywhere in the world, it would suddenly be America or somewhere. And I would just see you. And now I haven't seen you for a while uh, regularly. So it's really great to be back in contact again. Yeah, it's two times in one week. And last time it was maybe, maybe five years ago i don't know six seven i don't know it's a long time so that's cool so so tell me i think everyone who are coach they they're looking to how to get super result for a client and i know also know many coaches like oh I, I'm, I, I'm good enough or can i do this or can i charge the price and then they also have this problem like oh you know i'm not worth that others are taking so they price themselves lower so can you tell me about what is the secret to create really good result with clients? Well, what I love about my clients is, um, and by the way, about about 80% of them are coaches. So I, I'm kind of the person that coaches coaches, including a lot of the household name coaches. And the and it's the same, whether you've been in the industry for 30 years in your household name, or whether you um, have just started out, you've just graduated, or you've just decided to be a coach, it, it's about credibility. And it's not about feigned credibility. It's about you've got to actually care. And it sounds so simple and so basic, but people get it when you don't care. And as we know in our industry, because we used to talk about this all the time, was how can we actually get the results for people? How can we make sure that whatever we say when we're up on the stage, that we actually deliver? That if someone's sitting there and they're just like, okay, that's a lot of money for me. And I really, really want to make sure that I meet the person of my dreams, or I really want to make sure that I um, get that incredible body, or I just want to adventure. I just want to feel like I'm not stuck. Anything that they would be feeling and we were promising we could deliver, we would just do whatever it took with them. Like, you know, you've seen me do this. I've seen you do this. Like, you know, talking to people at midnight if they need something extra, um, you know, suddenly we'll, we'd think of, oh yeah, that book would be great for them. That video would be great for them. Let me just check in on that person. That cannot be replaced by any kind of fancy strategy. It just can't because we're people, we're humans. We know, we know when someone cares about us. So um, I know that's not a very sophisticated answer, but it's, it's the only one I got. Like the baseline is you gotta care. <clears throat> but also I care is, I get the point with care, but one thing I remember from you, and I also know it now because I met you in London, you're so confident with your coaching and what you're doing and you like you are, it's like signs from you that you know what you're doing. So don't even try to fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't because mess, don't I. Mess with me, don't mess with it. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so, some of that. 
it comes at times. Some of it comes at times. Some of it comes with, I've been doing this nonstop for 22 years and I know, right? Um, mm. The thing actually that I was um, going to tell you about, you asked me um, when we first came on, right before we started recording, you were like, um, so how's life? And I was like, oh, I did this cool thing this morning. And then I wouldn't tell you. I'm going to tell you what it is now. Um, I, I had a coach this morning because I decided that I wanted to learn in the middle of a heat wave here in the UK that I wanted to learn how to ice skate. And you coming from Norway, you're like, can't everyone just ice skate? I'm sure. Can't everyone? Wasn't everyone just born skiing and ice skating? I'm Irish. No. <laughs> so um, I decided that I was going to get this really great coach. When I went out onto the ice this morning, I was beyond terrified. I, I have never felt the terror of like not having proper like firm earth under my feet that was a, like just a sensation that was so alien and I put myself completely into the hands of this woman and because she's a professional she's been teaching for years she knew she knew how I felt she knew she also though knew where I was going to get to and probably how fast and that I think is as a coach you've got to you've, you've got to know that you've got to uh, you, you, you've got to stick with them. So if you're a beginner coach, you've just got to know that you have a vision and you might have to try a few things with them to get there. But when you've been in the game much longer, you just know that, okay, this is probably what they're going to say. And they usually do. And this is what's going to work for you to reply to them. And, and then they're going to get this result and they're going to be all super delighted. And then they're going to laugh at the fact that you're not surprised. So um, I'm, I'm now in the position where, you know, when someone does get something, particularly something really big or something that they've been trying for for years or something unexpected or weird, um, then I'm, I'm still not surprised. And they're just kind of like, how did you know? How did you know it was going to work? And it's just like, well, you know, that's that's your 10,000 hours. You know, that's that, that that's you being in the game. And a huge part of that is constantly putting yourself through the process constantly like if I'm expecting people to do something that feels weird and new and doesn't feel safe I can't cancel my ice skating lesson I just can't I can't live like that that's just that's just not fair um but I always see myself as my first client so every single day I'm coaching me and, um, and, and that really is the trick, particularly if you're a beginner coach and you feel like I don't have enough clients yet. You do. You've got a 24-7 client right there and it's you. You don't coach your friends, you don't coach your family, but you do coach you every single time. And you'd be amazed at how people really love that when, when you're able to say to them, oh, do you know what? When I was in my 20s or when I was in my 30s, um, I, I used to do exactly what you did you know, or something like I was really disassociated from my body. I used to hurt myself all the time. I used to lose things all the time. Here's what I now understand about that kind of disassociation. And that holds a lot more weight than when you get up and you um, boast about something. So I, 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 I kind of don't love it when people do that, when they get up on stage and they just talk about how awesome they are. Because the question in everyone's mind is then, well, okay, but how did you get to awesome? And in order to explain how you got to awesome, you've got to be more vulnerable and you've got to be willing to say, I made all these mistakes, or I tried this and this and this, I tried to do it on my own, I tried to do it this way, I tried to do it the way an extreme extrovert would do it, I tried to do it the way masculine energy would do it, and that didn't work because you've got to, you've got to be able to deliver the detail on it, because 
if you're just saying, just do this strategy, off you go. People are sort of left standing there feeling less empowered than they were when they before they had the strategy because they're like, well, before I had nothing and now I've got the strategy, but I still don't know what to do. So that's something that I love about you and Maria is that you um, that that you make sure that people um, your, I mean, your strategies are amazing, particularly when it comes to things like marketing and presentation and all those kind of things. But the thing that I really love about it is that you, you, you say, and, and, and here's how you use it. Here's how you particularly as this person in this time can use this and make it work for you rather than just, OK, there's a box of strategy buy, <laughs> which we know a mm. lot of people in our industry do. So um, mm. so that's another thing um, that's really, really important. And also just um, knowing that you can't do it for them. You know, I, I used to be really, really codependent. So I used to go through my life trying to do everyone's life for them, trying to like have it that everybody was protected from challenge and difficulty and now I can see that that doesn't serve them or me and I don't do it anymore I just say yeah you know what you can do this you know yeah you you know what you you can come up with the money to pay for my fee you can come up with the time you can make these phone calls you know let's let's role play this let me help you to um, to to know for you to know that you can do it but um a lot of coaches when they first start out they think that somehow it's their job to get the result for people. No, that's their, that's their job. That's their honor and privilege. That's their life. And so you don't want to take that from them. And that's what I really, really love is, you know, it's, it's almost like, because I don't have kids. And to me, it feels like a parental role going, no, come on, you got this. You, you've absolutely got this. And people just amaze themselves with what they can do in a very short amount of time. Cool. And you also say like I need to challenge myself, or you didn't say that, but you you need to coach yourself. And also, so what made you take the decision to do ice skating? Where did the idea come from, and why are you doing it? Okay, so um, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, a lot of the coaching that I do is for people who are more introvert and less confident out in the world. People who don't have the ability to just go big and loud immediately. Um, a lot of people who had tough childhoods, a lot of people who um, you know, physically feel like they're not up to par, like that they're kind of frozen. I used to be in this, like I used to show up like this all the time. And, um, you know, or people who feel that they're not, um, you know, glamorous and good looking and maybe aren't comfortable in their bodies. And um, I love the work of people like Judith Herman and Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote um, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. And just understanding how um, trauma, just even trauma from living, trauma from being a human in the world, trauma from culture, any kind of trauma, you know, trauma from you being a minority in your country, trauma from you being a minority in your family or whatever it is, that that takes its toll on the body. And um, I was teaching um, a, a workshop recently about that, about um, post-traumatic growth as opposed to post-traumatic stress. And, um, and through that, just um, I, I, again, whenever I'm teaching someone something and requiring of them that they'll go there, I'm like, well, how am I going to go there first? Because in this situation where I'm the coach or I'm the speaker, I am, I am leading. So I have to go first. I can't just say, you guys do it. I did it years ago. 
right? It's got to be consistent. You've got to you've you've got to be doing it with with them. It's they do theirs, you do yours, but you cannot expect them to do something that you're not prepared to do for yourself. So I just, as we say in Ireland, scared the bejesus out of myself by making a phone call to a trainer. Um, and, and there's an ice rink. Um, I live in central London in Kensington, and there's an ice rink just up the road in Queensway. And um, and I just I phoned and I I just locked it in just locked it in that's what you have to do you have to commit to it way before you feel like it and um and I, I and I did that and I immediately I can't tell you how many lessons I got just this morning um you know lessons about um leaning into something um and how um you know sometimes you can lean in too far too fast to something and that doesn't that puts you off balance and then you've got to recover yourself or you know things like um just because it feels really shaky now doesn't mean it's always going to feel that way. And in fact, in five minutes time, you're going to be doing something completely different. She took film footage of me. There's a special app that, that the ice skating um, trainers have. And she and she filmed me and she showed me. And I was like, wow. And in my head, I was like, wow, I thought I was doing way better than that. And I wasn't. And it mm. needs to be okay. <laughs> it needs to be okay. Mm. But then, interestingly, she, then she later on, after I'd been learning and like literally baby stepping it on the ice, suddenly I was doing things that I, I thought I was gonna fall over if she just even let go of me at all. And by the end, I was gliding forward. I was able to um, you know, stop, I was able to turn around a little bit. This is within half an hour. And um, so just all, I, I just knew, I just knew that there was learning there. We're never, heading toward a finish line it's never like okay i'm going to go in this straight line i'm going to ignore everything else and i'm just going to get my result a, a finish line a result is something that we grow around so unless we are reading engaging adventuring um you know getting coached getting getting it really really in the game of life it's it'll be i won't say impossible but very very difficult very arduous and not much fun for you to get to that result. Um, and it seems a little counterintuitive, but if you're saying to yourself things like, okay, I'm not gonna go on holiday for three years so that I can pay off my mortgage in full. Okay, nice sentiment. I get where, you know, I get the logic of it. However, it really doesn't work that way. And in fact, if you go on an amazing adventure this summer, then what will happen will be that you'll have different realizations. You might meet someone who has a different idea about how to do your business. You might um, get totally inspired by something. You might change your body, which then changes your energy. And because of all those things, you end up paying off your mortgage in a year and getting the great vacation. So it's not a zero sum game. It's not like if I take time away from here and if I take focus away from here, then I'll have I'll be able to get my result. It's about always enlarging and wrapping yourself around something saying, right, you know what, the bigger I get, the, the easier it is going to be for me to get that result. Okay, cool. Uh, I love what you're saying. And you also said, and I think another important thing is um, confident in coaching. And I want to get back to it because you started when it was, uh, or it started for 22 years ago. So how long time did you feel like it took before you felt like you was confident to take the money you wanted to live off it, to also okay. get the result on it? Yeah. Well, at the time, um, in our, I, I was living in Ireland at the time and um, there weren't really any coaches. Um, so I got myself onto a television show really 
really quickly. And television is something I've done over the years, been on lots of big shows in the States and the UK and, um, and Ireland and hey, even Norway. Um, uh, really, really, that was really fun actually with Benedicta Saint-Pierre. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and, and so I got known pretty quickly by not climbing the ladder, by not waiting for permission, not waiting for people to say, okay, we'll allow her to, um, you know, do what she does. Just don't, don't wait for permission. Um, at the time, there was a couple of um, coaching academies in Ireland and I met with them and I was thinking of training with them. But then when I met them, I wasn't impressed with them. I wasn't impressed with what they were eating, with how they were drinking. They didn't look healthy. Um, they didn't sound excited about their own lives. They, you know, they didn't seem to have a vision or a plan. And I was just like, you know what? We can really change things in Ireland. We can really like, you know, make an enormous difference to people, particularly th these people and these people. And I was talking like that and they were like, well, Yes, um, if you come along for two semesters, then you get this qualification and you and I was just like, nah, I don't, I'm, I don't have time for that. So um, <laughs> I just found people who wanted something and and I just I, I wasn't afraid to try some different things. So um, I would, I would, um, you know, I'd, I'd know some NLP and I would know some basic coaching and I'd know some basic psychology. And and a lot of it was just having letting them have someone to declare their dream to to say you know i want this and i'd be like yeah that's just great sounds great and even just that tiny little bit at the very beginning made people feel like it was real so many people feel like there's a difference between real life and the dream and that's what i love about the way you and i live there is no difference between real life and the dream real life is the dream if we have something that we want we know we're going to be living it right like I, i've been living for it um for the last couple of years in this gorgeous house on a well it used to be quiet i don't know if you can hear construction work now um but as soon as as soon as it all opened up um the people around here are very very wealthy and have several homes and they all decided they were going to do reconstruction at the same time so i hope that that's uh, not a sound that you can hear but um but i just knew that's what i wanted i wanted to be a member of all these different private clubs i wanted to hang out with all these amazing famous people i wanted to you know, be able to have, uh, I mean, you saw me eat my breakfast the other day that was made by my two favorite chefs who I know and adore. And just having people who make your breakfast for you and you can tell that there's not just healthy food gone into that, but there's so much love gone into that. And you're sitting on this great terrace in this private club and it's just, why not? Why not? Mm. And, mm. and this idea that we have to somehow um, live small, or we have to, you know, live overly politely. Um, I just, I just don't, I just don't believe it. I'm like, well, what, who's, who, who am I trying to impress here? Because I tell you, the people that you, you initially think will be impressed, they are the unimpressible. It will never work, whether that is your parents or siblings or um, cousins or teachers or the people you grew up with, or even some of the people you admire, right? They, you know, it's your job to get it. It's no one else's job to understand and believe in your dream. That is only your job. And then you get a coach hmm. on board with that who says, yep, yeah, right. That's kind of like your, that's kind of like your amen. It's like, you know, it shall be done. And the coach comes along and the coach is your amen. Absolutely. I get it. And, um, and then you just, and then you just do it. And, but the thing is that a lot of people, 
They'll do a certain amount of stuff and then they'll stop. Disappointment is a thing that um, the late, great Jim Rohn said, you got to learn to discipline your disappointment. And what the first mm. few hundred times I heard that, I really loved it, but I thought that it meant you've got to not stop taking action um, when you get disappointed. And But now I understand it to mean, and I could be wrong, but this is the best way I understand it. I understand discipline your disappointment to mean don't even let it become disappointment. Allow yourself to you know, reframe it in the air before it lands and, and say, my, one of my favorite phrases that I say to myself all the time before I go into anything is, it's this or something better. And so anything that lands that's unexpected and not wanted necessarily, it lands as, oh, okay, that's interesting. It must be something better. I wonder what that is. And I'm immediately looking around rather than just trying to do a quick recovery. There's very little to recover from because um, it's not disappointment. It's just, oh, change tack, try something else. And, um, and that's just a much lighter, easier way to live because I feel a lot of people are living a lot of time in recovery. They're recovering from very normal human earth things that maybe shouldn't quite need so much recovery time. You know, um, mm. that, that, you know, maybe you um, lose some money. Okay, where's, where, where's my bigger money? It needs to be the, the, the instant turnaround instead of, oh my gosh, what does this mean? What does this say about me? What does this say about the economy? And, um, and just being able to pick it up and turn it around. And that's a thing that um, um, I love doing with my clients is because they'll often come to me. If someone books a session outside of their usual sessions, I'm just like, okay, I know what we're doing here. And I try to book them in immediately because I know that they're hurting because they're allowing a wrong story to land. And immediately we can reframe that. We can say, oh, it just means this. It's like that. everything is feedback. Everything. The good stuff, the not good stuff, the sensations, the smells, the sounds. Everything is feedback. And it's about what you do with that information. Um, and, and when we overuse our emotional skills um, and we, we're looking too much to, and I'm saying this as, as you know, one of the, the most naturally emotional people on the planet, crying, laughing, angering, like just absolute eruptions of it all the time. Um, you know, I've really learned to, um, to just get the message very quickly from my emotions. It's like, you know, oh, what's this? This is, um, this is resentment. Okay, what do we know about resentment? We know that resentment is a form of anger. It's where you feel powerless and angry. Why are you feeling powerless? What are you feeling angry toward? How do you know that you're safe? All these different questions, you can start to just ask them instantly in microseconds rather than having to um, you know, again, spend ages in recovery. I used to spend weeks in recovery. I used to, if I had a breakup of a relationship, I used to move to a different continent. Like if I was in Hollywood and I broke up with a Hollywood producer, I'd move to Paris. And then I'd be going out with some, uh, what would they be in, like a lawyer in Paris. And then um, that wouldn't work out. And then I would go and I would move to, you know, somewhere in Asia. Like I did that all the time it sounds crazy now but that is how reactive i was that was just a symptom of my natural reactivity you know mm. like burn it and run um mm. and um and that's just a, it's just quite violent on your soul to keep doing that there's a great passion to it there's great excitement to it 
it feels like living like a rock star, um, but it, but really you need to be able to choose your passion. You need to be able to choose your excitement, not to have it um, sort of land on you and, and, and for it to be negative. Um, so that's kind of like how, how life is meant to be. It really is. And, um, and so I just, I just love inviting people into living in this way. And you said something about uh, you had some coaches or you saw some coaches in Ireland that was not healthy. So how important is it to eat and drink and also work out for you, how you look at the coaching industry and how to be a top coach? Okay, so um, when you're coaching, you're saying, I believe that you can live at your highest standard, your highest emotional stand, your highest standard for everything, because there's just no need to compromise, right? Just given what you've been giving, you can live at that highest standard. And you have an understanding that living at that higher standard isn't about looking down on other people. It's about you playing your best game. And that's what coaching is all about, playing the best game and living the best life. And if you are constantly compromising with yourself, then you haven't really got it yet. So if you're saying to yourself something like, oh, well, I'll just let myself have this because I've been good today. That's a justification. And if you're coming up with justifications, it means you haven't yet found out how to talk back to that yourself, how to kind of like um, parent yourself in a way, because you've got this little kid inside you that's just like, oh, it's just one chocolate brownie. Come on, Ginny Mary, we haven't had sugar in weeks, right? Um, and you've got to be able to talk back and go, yeah, but there's, there's a reason that we're not eating sugar. It's because as soon as you eat sugar, all these different things happen with your insulin. As soon as we eat sugar, all of these different things happen with your cravings. Suddenly you'll crave sugar again two hours later and the next day. And then that becomes your standard. So being coached is all about finding a new normal. And if your coach doesn't have a great normal for themselves, normal and standards, you can almost explain it with the words always and never. So I never drink, right? And you can hear how that's just... That's a pretty cool phrase. I'm not saying that any, every, anybody else has to give up alcohol, but I never drink. But if it was, um, well, I hardly ever drink. I only drink when, and the occasional, you can see that I can be toppled over that. I, it's a maybe, that maybe I'll hold that standard and maybe I won't. Or um, for money, like I've got a really high standard for money. I don't coach anyone until the money has landed in my company's accounts. And it's not like, oh, well, we'll make the exception for you because you're clearly lovely. It's like, no, that is, that is our money standard. That, that is our boundary. We are a boundaried, loving company and we love ourselves first. You know, like we don't, we don't um, you know, you're the one that this is the way it goes. We give you all this great, awesome stuff and you give us money. And so we don't mess with that. And people feel very secure with that. They feel very secure knowing that, okay, you know, they, um, that their boundaries are secure. So when they say, when Judy May says, nobody gets to hear about this session ever, that's a true thing because Judy May also said, I don't coach until the money has landed. And she didn't coach me because the money hadn't landed. You know, Judy mm -hmm. May says, um, it's really great to eat plant-based. And then, um, you know, I see Judy May's um, pictures of whatever she's eating at the Ivy or wherever, and it's plant-based. And then people are just kind of like, okay, all right, you're a you're a, a boundary trustworthy person, and boundaries and trust are a thing that um, has been a little thin on the ground in the world. So you know mm. people want that, but also, even more importantly, you trust yourself. 
So now when I say I'm going to do something, I trust myself that I'm going to do it. If it gets on the list, if I'm like, I'm going to do this thing. Like yesterday, I, um, some of you might know the, the classic poet Alexander Pope. I'm a huge fan. It, don't worry about it if you've never heard of him. It's a geek thing. Um, and he's from centuries ago. And he has this grotto, this underground grotto out in Twickenham, quite far out from London, like towards Heathrow. And um, I've always wanted to see it. It's quite difficult to get to see it. They only let very small numbers of people in. you got to book uh, a place way in advance. I managed to swing that for yesterday. And the reason I managed to swing it was I told myself that when my friend comes over from America, and I know he's also a huge fan of Alexander Pope, I am going to get us both into that grotto and the only two hour slot that he has available for me. That's mm. so he was at a wedding. And, um, mm. and then they told me, oh, sorry, it's all sold out. And, and I believe myself when I say I'm getting in that room. And so I said, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to going next season. Can I just explain to you why I was excited for that day? Told them about my friend, how we were in college together, how we're both friends of Pope, that for each of us, the other is the only person we know who would do this adventure with us. And you know what? Got a message back saying, we can squeeze in two more. Hmm. And so it's just hmm. like, as far as I'm concerned, if I've got a feeling for something, that it's this or something better. So I wasn't even disappointed when they said they were sold out initially because I knew it was going to be this or something better that maybe, I don't know, we would be sitting there and someone would walk in and offer us both worldwide book deals that were just phenomenal or something like that. So, <laughs> but, but it turned out that, you know, just me saying, no, no this is it. This is like, if, if I say something's going to happen, it's going to happen and just showing up solid that that is so important. Mm. So some coaches, you know, if, if they, um, you know, if, if you see them smoking or um, you, you see them getting angry on the phone, shouting at people, you know, we both know of speakers who they'll get back to the green room and they'll start yelling at their, their employees. I'm like, really? Um, so, mm. so we've, we've got to do that. We've got to um, just be able to convey the joy of living in a very high standard way that it's not painful. People say things like, well, why do you want to deny yourself? I'm like, oh gosh, I'm denying myself nothing. At this point, I don't crave sugar. Um, at this point, it doesn't feel effortful to work out, to do yoga, to, you know, terrifying to do ice skating. Hey, but you know what? I'm already booked in for next Monday. Um, but mm. just living at that standard is much easier. It's much easier because mm. you're not constantly worried about things like, um, your your destiny, your legacy, um, you know that that's taken care of and that you are going to be leaving some massive, amazing, um, legendary um, body of work or feeling in the world behind that it has made a huge difference that you are here. And a lot of people just have this dull feeling of what's it even about? When you live at a high standard consistently, you know what it's about on the daily, you know what it's about. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't know how, um, I, I don't know how you would get someone else to live this way if you weren't living this way yourself. Mm. I love it. Thank you for sharing. And um, I need to go back to one thing because you say like, we need to make, or you, you didn't say that, but uh, I need to get the money from clients. Yeah. And uh, I know also kind kind of, successful online entrepreneurs who are coaches and selling maybe an online course or something they still have problem with charging enough like there is like a 
minds they're coming to block and i think this is one of the most important questions <laughs> that you can help people with it's like this yeah this pricing thing so how do you how do you how do you look at pricing based on what the value is because the worst thing is like i think all our coaches want to help people so where is the where is the <laughs> limit of helping pricing how much money should i take for this what are your opinion on that okay so uh, we always presume that if we have a challenge we presume that other people share that challenge so people who maybe um, don't eat well they presume that eating really well is difficult for everybody and it's not some people like me i mean i, I got i got the hang of that really early on um just happily eat vegetables all day and drink water right and tea um and um people who um you know uh, really find interpersonal relationships and friendships difficult they they then have this idea of relationships and friendships are difficult same thing if you are someone who um, you know, cash flow is difficult, bringing in money is difficult for you, then your presumption is that everybody finds it difficult. So very often, if you're a caring person, you're trying to save the other person from a difficulty that they might not even have. So that's the first part. And then the second part is, imagine if it is a difficulty. Imagine if like, like you, they have a difficulty with bringing in money. They need to learn, just like you, how to um, just get over that and how to start to understand that it's just about um, asking and then not trying to do their half of it, not trying to worry about, um, you know, are, are they going to be able to just be able to say, this is my price. This is how we do it. I really hope I see you next week and not let me coach you for free for an hour and send you a message that bolsters up the idea that somehow money is difficult or gives you an idea that I don't value my time. Now, having said that, it, I, I also don't agree with this thing of, um, you know, well, I know that when you get coached with me, it's going to be worth millions to you. So I'm going to charge you, you know, 50,000 pounds to hang out with me for a year. I don't agree with that because there is a reality to it as well. And so what we do in my company is we just make it really easy for people to get in. And then after that, at their own pace, which, you know, they, they get proud of themselves. And so the pace is quite fast. They can then opt in for the stuff that is at a higher price point. But you as the coach, you can't try and solve that problem for them. That's theirs. That's not yours to solve yeah. if it is a problem. And it might not even be. Um, I've had people who have said, oh, um, yeah, I'd really love to get one-to-one -one coaching with you. Like, I'd really love to do a VIP day with you. But um, I just, um, I don't want to break into my savings. And I just go, okay, so how much do you have in savings? And they're like, 200,000 euros. I'm like, okay. And what did you save up for? Just in case I need it for something. And I'll just be like, something like coaching, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so um, so you would be amazed. And, and, and often, you know, just um, a little tweak where you can just unlock something for someone and they say, oh, I don't have that money right now. And I say, yeah, but you will, because after this phone call, you're going to think differently, believe differently. You're going to start to notice different things. You're going to want different things. You're going to be acting in a very different way, knowing that your life can be phenomenal. So you'll start to bring that money in. Start with something really simple. Look around you. What do you not use that can be sold? And, and people from there, they're just kind of like, okay, well, I just made a couple hundred quid selling my kids' clothes that they grew out of. What else can I do? And that's what I love about the brain. That's what I love about us as humans is 
that we're really good at, at seeking more. Like we're really good. We're kind of like foraging for everything, not just for food. And so we start to forage for opportunity very differently when we have a reason. In the same way as we forage for food as cave people when we're hungry, we forage for everything as adventurers in money, health, um, relationships, opportunities, stage time. Like we, we forage for that when we're hungry for life, when we're just hungry for all of it, knowing that, you know, one day, one day we're, we're going to have to leave. I'm going to be 110. Um, I've decided that a chandelier is going to fall on me as I skateboard past. And, but that day will come. And so today I can do things. So why would I just collapse? Why would I just go into a smaller, earlier version of myself? And I have every sympathy for people who do keep going back into that smaller, earlier version of themselves. That's you trying to protect you. But in fact, it's not the way to move forward because the, um, the, the bigger problem that you're trying to protect from has passed. If it isn't, you definitely need to get help to get yourself in a safe place. And um, sometimes I will meet with um, uh, people who are in a really, really physically or financially unsafe place. And the very first thing we got to do is we've got to get you safe. We've got to get you away from there. We've got to get you contracted. We've got to get you, you know, so sometimes it's that. But for most people, it's just teaching the system, teaching the body that it's okay. You're safe now. You're going to be believed. You're not going to be snarled at. You're not going to be looked down on. No one is going to threaten to take away love just because you want to be super awesome. And, and these are often things that we un unconsciously it's going on. We don't even realize until someone says it like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's like I, I taught I was taught that I couldn't outshine my siblings and <laughs> and that somehow I wouldn't be part of the tribe. And, and I've kept that lesson, even though I hardly ever see my siblings. Anything like that, any realization like that, just it just takes you on the next step and the next step. And when you've got realization, building on realization, building on realization, that's when it starts to get really juicy. And you said, uh, yeah, we started to talk about you did this uh, ice skating lessons today. And I also know when we met in London, you talked about for some years ago, you did some uh, fighting you start to, to get ah. some fighting training yeah so yeah. so where do you get these ideas from what is the next bucket list that you are well, afraid of and i'll tell you do? about that one particular because that was interesting <coughs> excuse me um so uh through um studying um trauma models so the idea that um we have a we have a standard place that we go to when things get tough stressful or just it's it's our go-to if you like and some people go into a fight mode which is a real lean in and get it done kind of mode not necessarily confrontational but definitely lean in some people go into flight which is action 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 um some people go into freeze which is let me just go so far inside my head and so far inside my daydreaming that it's all happening inside there but the body isn't physically moving that was my favorite one. And then um, there's the fawn mode, which uh, is F-A-W-N. And in English, that means um, it's both a baby deer, but it also means to kind of um, make someone else feel okay in the hope that that will make you okay. And so that was my secondary one was fawning. And I realized that I had, when I became more flight type, when I was like able to not just disappear and do the thinking, not just be lovely to everybody, but also when I was able to do, I take action, 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 running all around the world, doing all the cool stuff that, that you and I have done together and I've done with other people. And 
that, that, that really, really broadened out my world. And I thought, what if I also added fight? I had no fight in my body, none. I was just like a piece of wet spaghetti. I mean, I, I was healthy, I was fit, my, you know, I had muscles, but I didn't have that ability to just lean in and just say, how about this? And just my way of talking, my way of being, um, my feeling of, of safety in any negotiation, my ability to negotiate has just changed utterly because I went over to six months for L um, to LA I found this guy's in Sean and in El Segundo. There's uh, two like real spit on the floor kind of um, boxing training places there on the, on the high street. And I literally stalked the guy until he would agree to give me just one session. And he told me weeks later that he just gave me that one session so that I'd stop like leaving messages and walking in at all hours asking people if they'd seen Sean Crenshaw. And the reason I chose him was because he was an actual fighter. And he, you know, so he was there, you know, flying up to Vegas every week and um, just, you know, ripping guys to pieces and getting ripped to pieces. And so he really understood what it was. He, he, he was pure fight. And, um, and, and so as much as I learned amazing techniques from him, I learned how to spar. The very first time I, we were sparring, so just um, that's just fighting, like, but you're not trying to kill each other um kind of like uh it's not play but you're just um you're, you're making sure you're both safe but you are actually fighting first time I did that I couldn't hit him I couldn't hit him and I said to him but I might hurt you and for a start that was a hilarious idea the idea <laughs> that I might be able to like even but he didn't even feel when I threw a punch um but then he said um you know well but if you don't hurt me then I could hurt you and my reaction was, well, yeah, that's better. And I went home and I cried my eyes out for the whole afternoon because I realized that that's how I'd been doing life, that I'll take the hit. I'll, I'll be the one to make myself small. I'll be the one to make everyone okay. Everybody else gets to get theirs. And it's kind of somehow okay if I get hit. And that, it, I physically turned it around and, and got to the point where, you know, we used to do our sessions really early in the morning and he would just, uh, so there'd be all kinds of like warm ups. I'd be dragging tires, tractor tires through the car park. Um, we'd be doing all this, all this cool stuff. And then we would spar for like 20 minutes at the end and he would put on ACDC or Metallica really, really loud. At that point, there often wasn't even anyone in the gym. And we, I, I would just, I would just leather the guy, as we'd say in Ireland. I would just pelt him. I would just be pounding. And I learned how to have fight in my body so you can radically change who you are if you're timid right now you can radically change that if you are disorganized if you are um you know not a finisher if you are um you know not good at reading academic books anything that you want to change you can radically radically change it and then you asked me another question and I've completely forgotten what that was. I got so excited talking about my MMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I can, yeah, I can frame it a little bit. Other, What drives you? What drives me? Oh, because I know I'm here for a reason. And I just, I just want to be awesome. I just, I just want to be awesome. <laughs> because the more awesome I am, the safer I am, the better I feel. I, I wasted far too many years getting hit and crying. Like, that's bottom line don't ever want to go back there. But the really cool thing is as I get into this place where I'm kind of bulletproof, 
um, I get to take loads of people with me, people who are just really confused or saying things like, I know I'm really smart. I know I'm really caring. How come I'm getting worse results than everybody else? And, and that is just my, that's my joy. That is my absolute joy is that I get to, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's quite sophisticated and sometimes it's as simple as, hey, listen, because you don't have, um, because you don't have Wi-Fi on your phone because you're a student um, and you can't afford the, that monthly fee, I've just found a thing called LibriVox. It's an app and you can download stuff without being online. And it can be something as simple as that, that then means that this student is getting to listen to classical books on their commute rather than, you know, wasting um, 20 hours a week, just sitting there looking out the window. They're now getting all these, um, all this classical literature inside them. Everything can be built, everything, every dream. And, and, and building the dream starts with the inside. It starts with, you know, what, where is the wisdom? Like the reason I just love books, I'm simultaneously reading like 15 or 17 books at any one time. And I just finished Walden last night and um, that's mm. by um, uh, Thoreau and, and just got so much from it. And I'm so excited next weekend. I've, I've planned out some time to go back and reread my notes from it. I'm just like, wow, I, I really now understand that this idea that I've carried for ages about me not being an outdoors person, me not being in touch with nature, because I've always lived in cities and I've always been on planes. That's not necessarily true. And there's something amazing there to explore. And you get to be that as well. And I, I, I think that it, it might have taken me a long time um, for me to get that and start that aspect of the adventure had I not read the book. So again, we're back to the idea of high standards. You've got a choice. You can read something like Walden or you can read something that's just a piece of pulp fiction. Nothing wrong with the pulp fiction. Just is it going to gift you big enough for your time and your, uh, mm. your expenditure, the money, that, the money and the time that you spent on this book? Are you going to get enough? From that same thing with an apple and a donut nothing wrong with a donut it's just how is the donut going to reward you donut's going to reward you with a nap and an addiction <laughs> the apple's going to reward you with um, some immunity and an energy and, and a good habit right so um so it's not about judging the world it's just about um what what is going to gift you um the, the most so that you can then be the best self to start gifting stuff back Hmm. and uh, the last question i have for you is like when i listen to it, it's like oh you're doing so many things outside and i think one of the issues also i see with coaches and also others is like they never have time to grow um never time yeah i should have done that course or i should have done that coaching or i should have read that book or i should have done that but i don't have time so how much time do you use uh, on work versus okay. growth like like, yeah, it's, uh, what is um, your formula? It's it's I call it my musts and magic, and I do it every morning. And it's between three and four hours. The first three and four hours belongs completely to me, and things happen like yoga, flossing my teeth, but mostly learning. So there's about um, uh, how many would it be? About fifteen different things I'll learn. Like I'll spend three minutes learning Spanish, three minutes learning Russian, three minutes learning French. My French oh. is now fluent. My Spanish is now good. My Russian is 
as Russian is, not my fault. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. <laughs> Russian, Russian is hard, but you know what? It's 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 really really growing me. My my brain is really growing for doing that. Things like codependency, my own codependency work, as well as studying codependency. Um, last week, I did a course um, with uh, an American institution of um, psychologists, and learned so much from that. And that was a couple of hours a day, and and it's just non-negotiable. It's just mm. it's in the same way as. Um, you know, you, you, you can't show up um, telling people that you that they can do something if you if you haven't done it first. And also this brings us actually full circle back to one of your initial questions about being a coach and, and how you charge is that, um, you know, people stay with me. You know, they, they stay for years. And the reason they stay for years is they're not getting the same stuff. They know that I'm doing all this amazing work every single day. And so one week later, that, that there's going to be insights that I wouldn't have had the week before. And also that I'm able to take those insights and then apply them and do the thinking and the, the melding to other things I've known for years and just take it to that next level. So they don't have to go and say, oh, now I need someone who does something different is because I continue to be that something different and they know that I'll continue to just keep their their standards um higher and higher but that 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 is non-negotiable that is that is my morning every single morning and um I used to coach people um early in the morning but now probably the early, earliest I book people in is about 10 o'clock and yeah. um I'm up at five so yeah the morning belongs to me mm. that that is that is again the idea of always never as being your standard it's like i always study first i love it and uh, and in the end i guess like someone want to contact you and know how you're working or if you have something yeah so how can people contact you yeah realize that we're very friendly here very very friendly i've got a very small team and um and we love people just to ask questions so just reach out info at judy may j-u-d-y-m-a-y.tv or you can find me on platforms i don't do a lot of stuff on social media it's not a huge part of our, our business model but um, but i am there and and have a, maybe have a little look at youtube videos and uh, but don't presume that somehow because I'm off, you know, coaching rock stars and actors and household name speakers that I, that somehow that's all I do. No, I, in fact, it's something that my, um, that my ice skating uh, trainer told me this morning, because I know that she coaches people as a TV show called Dancing on Ice. And I know she's involved with that. And she has been a judge at, at like really, really high levels around the world and in international competitions. Uh, but she just loves when, you know, a, a fool like me comes along and kind of go, goes, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. So, <laughs> Um, so like like my teacher, I love a beginner. I love it when someone is just kind of like, let's do this. I, I don't know. And I'm just like, good, because I do. That's that's the bit that I bring to the table for you. And um, yeah, just reach out. I'd love, we'd love to meet you. Cool. Thank you so much. I think it was so many nuggets. And I also inspired to listen to you. You're an amazing person. And, uh, and thank you so much for doing this for coaches and consultants around uh, Europe and Asia. Oh, thanks, Peter Eric. And I'm really, really looking forward to being on stage with you again sometime soon. We will. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Awesome. Have a great one.